Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Monday night episode of the Endless Celts podcast. Uh, my name's Anthony. I'll be taking the reins off the show tonight, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the infamous deadly duo of Stephen and Francis. How are you tonight, boys? You take it there, Franny. No, all, all good. All good. All good, all good. <laughs> another week, another travel, Anthony. That's the way. Uh, I was going to say the Wi-Fi is not looking the best, mate. But you know, we can still hear yeah. you and see you. So it's <laughs> uh, always a pleasure to have you on. And um, just a couple of things, just before we get into the, the sort of main crux of the show tonight. Um, a few, but the listeners uh, might have heard a few of the sort of rumours gathering pace. Um, about um, our ex-player and uh, assistant coach Murdo McLeod, um, and you know it was looking, it was sounding quite awful. Uh, Rumours to, to start off with. Thankfully, just before we came on air, we seen a tweet um, from Murdo's daughter to say that Murdo hadn't um, had went into cardiac arrest or, or had a heart attack. Um, it was more even than everyone. Um, thankfully, she was just confirming that Murdo was just in for a routine. Um, operation and it's um, thankfully he's he's recovering well and he's you know ev- everything seems to all be good. So regardless, we always send Murdo our best wishes and you know good for that uh, that good piece of news. Um, before again, before we go into the main crux of the show, because I've not looked at the league table so far in terms of the Super Six, I'll hand you over to Stephen to give us all the latest news. Well, I mean this the Super Six is is taken off like and thankfully. Sean Ross is back on top by two points. He's not friendly up top spot. So he's second. Alistair Jack ended a close third. Actually, he's a joint third. So he's both 86 points. William, one of our well, shows, uh, regulars. <laughs> a joint second, whatever. He's on 81. And then the, the fifth place is James Boy on 70, 78 points. So it is all kicking off. And again, if he's going to get involved in that, the league code is there. There still is plenty of time. There's a couple of us like Anthony over there who's forgot to do it most weeks, so there's plenty of opportunities and points I've done it about so four times since it started. <laughs> but yeah, everyone will get involved there. That's, that's the latest. So, Sean Ross is top. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure, um, Franco, you, you'll be uh, doing your best to get back on top soon, but uh, yeah, it's looking pretty competitive at the top there. I'm uh, way behind. I'm at Leicester City. I'm halfway somewhere <laughs> down near the bottom, but uh, <laughs> say no more. And um, and welcome along, of course, to all the regular viewers and uh, listeners as well. It's uh, always good to he's all get involved in the discussion. Stephen will be bringing up all the comments. Uh, evening, yep. Kaiser, and uh, yep, and we can uh, always be part of the the discussion as we go forward. But uh, only one place to start, really, boys. Uh, this is the first time in a year uh, that we're doing a show on the back of a domestic league defeat. Um, Saw him about the September weekend. Uh, what can you say? But um, we're, we're going to go into what went wrong, whether that be tactics, um, individual mistakes, or whether it just be too much rotation or anything like that. We'll, we'll get into the, the sort of crux of it. But I'm sure we can both agree, uh, Franco, I'll come to you first, that uh, regardless of who, was to, who or what was to blame, it was just what they call a proverbial bad day at the office. I just it was one of them. It was nothing, nothing really worked for us. The play was slow. I mean, Saint Marin, I ain't got to credit them. They were, they were well structured, stuck to their game plan, and just to a man were better to us in every play, position probably. But uh, it was 
sometimes you can get away with carrying a couple of players, but we never managed it yesterday. And under hands, you need nearly everybody on their game. And uh, it was just like you say, bad day at the office, but uh, it's one of the ones that's like you say, our first league defeat in 38, 38, 39 games. So, bit of perspective, we don't need to go mental, but yeah, it wasn't a great performance yesterday. Yeah, it's um, I I I, I can echo that uh, myself. But Stephen, did where did you watch yesterday's uh, well horror show for want of a better word? <laughs> well, as always with my brother who is in in Watson already, so it was great to see him as well. Um, always watch the football with him, Celtic games. But you said no need to go mental friendly. I mean, this time yesterday I was climbing the walls like just <laughs> going over that game in my head. I thought. As you said, third player, let's be honest, and Murmur better than us on the day. We made a couple of well, six changes, I think, in total. Didn't, didn't kind of work and over going to win the player performances um, with Anthony. But, I mean, as we, as we do a summary, it's like you look at it and it gave me the feel of like a, a COVID game under Lenny, like the Ross County defeat, that, that infamous one at Celtic Park when we were just absolutely gutless, no determination, no passion, no fight. It just felt like, to me, the team was passive yesterday, that some Murmur players bullied us. Our centre halves did not cope with that at all. Question marks for me over the keeper in the, in the last couple of games. So I know we'll, we'll get that as well, but it was just a horror show. Yes, it's our first defeat in, in a year, but it was one I did not expect. I thought we would have went into that game. And, and I know I've seen people say, Anne's disrespect us at Murn, and you kind of take yourself away from it. Maybe he did, maybe he quite didn't give them the billing that, that they needed, especially at home, kind of making all them changes. But with that team, with that squad, you're expecting to go into that game and win, whether it be a 2-1 or 1-0. But it was just, as you said, it was a horror show from start to finish. The players weren't up for it at all. That even goes to their captain as well, Tom McGregor, who I thought was in a shell yesterday, not liking, but yeah, horror show. I think it's um, tweet fitting, obviously. It's basically been a, a ground where even we struggled last season as well. You think of the drop points, um, just before Christmas as well, when you know St Martin had very much that I think their team was ravaged by COVID at the time, and they had a lot of their, their young players out, and we dropped points there as well. It just seems to be a ground that's proved uh, a little bit tricky for us last few visits, uh, to put it mildly. But we can only hope that it's 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 a blip and not anything we have to be overly concerned about. But it's never nice when we when we drop points. But you know, c- coming back to you, Stephen, um, we obviously. As we always do during the game and uh, the group chat, there's um, lots of um, healthy, friendly debate, shall we say. <laughs> and um, but one one of the the big things, and um, we can come to individuals um, for a start. But one of the things that was sort of gauging um, a bit of sort, sort of debate within the group was obviously there were six changes uh, yesterday, and obviously two of them were were, were forced. You know, obviously um, before the match, Ange confirmed that. CCV and um, Anjuranovic were, were both unavailable, so naturally um, we deputised, we brought back in Stephen Welsh to go alongside Jens, with Starfelt still being out, and of course Tony Ralston was stepping in for Juranovic, who you still maintain, like, Ralston has been tailor-made for these games last season, you know, you think him up at Ross County, you think of that fantastic display um, that he had against uh, Livingston just in the springtime there, so He's been in a, a decent reign of form and, and no, these kind of fixtures. But there was obviously a further four um, on top of that. I've, uh, and obviously, Willie was making the point that, you know, we made more than that just a couple of weeks ago in the, the League Cup, but still ran out, you know, comfortable winners. 
and and you you, you got to you know, that's a fact. You, know, you can't they can't dispute that. Um, and I think many of the changes were actually similar personnel as to what there was yesterday. You know, Arne Moy coming in, David Turnbull, Abada, I think was make, maybe making his first start um, of the season uh, against yeah. Ross County that night. So, in terms of that, do you think it was a case of too many changes um, in, te- or in terms of personnel, or do you just think it, 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 maybe not? I don't, even myself, I don't think it was just the changes that were solely to blame. But do you think there was too many, or do you think the players that came in there was still more than enough there to win the match? Well, I mean, before I come on to that, um, Paul Dagenson, first game I've missed this season, impactful time, and 100. <laughs> I wish we were all in the same boat in that one, but. Again, it's a great point to say that that game was against Ross County. We won quite comfortably. I think it was 4-1 in the end. But I'm going to bring it a different sort of way. I think it was the combinations that didn't work well for us. I think the likes of, if, you, if you're dropping players like Hatate and O'Reilly, that's energy and physicality of the team. When you bring Moy and Turnbull in together, this, the midfield automatically becomes slower. Whether or not they're great technical players or they're great in the ball, you're losing that grit, that energy. So you, for me, you need to kind of complement a luxury type player with a player who can do the, the running box to box. And Hatate to me is perfect for that. And maybe we'll see the likes of um Albegard coming in in later games after the international break, the defensive midfielder, a wee bit more grit there as well. And then on the, the wide areas, uh, Mead has come in for a bit of slack and I'm starting to kind of agree with it. Uh, There's so many times where he, he should take his man on. He should beat him 1v1 quite easily. He has the pace and... Don't know, there seems to be a wee switch in his head. He doesn't like to do it. He came from the, the Japanese league and finished top goal scorer more than Kyogo did in the season there as well. And then you go to the, the right-hand side, Nevada. Um, there, again, there was a lack of taking your player on, trying to create that space. I know they played with a, a flat-back five at points of the game, but it's up to us to, to kind of break that down and get into these positions where we could create goal-scoring opportunities. And then Kyogo... I loved the wee fellow, honestly, but he was non-existent. And Jack, Jack and Magus for me, that was tailor-made for him because at least if we're on the back foot and we're struggling to create, I know it's not pretty football, but we can lump it forward and we'll kind of play off the second balls, off the off the cutbacks, and maybe Mieta could get involved more coming in off the left winning, if he's winning three balls and that. But yeah, and, and Welsh, I just don't think, like, he's not great. He's not. I've seen some. I've seen some people like say he shouldn't be at Celtic and all that type of stuff. And maybe it's not to that quite level for me yet. But he again, him and Yens together were absolutely shocking. And it felt like. Do you remember Lyndon Dykes when he believed the likes of Iyer and stuff? That's well, that's the way I was getting with their big fella, a younger. And he was playing yeah. for for Morkham in League Two last season, and he absolutely bullied our centre half. And it was for me quite embarrassing at times, especially the goals. But it was more combinations for me, so it was. Uh, well, I promised the viewers we didn't practice this seamless link beforehand because that was exactly what I was about to say, Franco. <laughs> that um, Moritz Jens very much had a Christopher Julian at Almondville uh, performance. Uh, good evening, Mark. And, and obviously, um, seen the voices had uh, commented as well. Good to hear from you, as always. Um, but yeah, Franco, I, I felt that as well. Um, I probably didn't actually, in, in my fury at the result, probably didn't explain it very well in, in the group chat. But I did feel the same in, in the middle of the park, um, just with the fact that with, with that Arn Moy, Callum McGregor naturally then being put out of the position, which, yes, we do say that it's perhaps more natural in, in years gone by, but in the in evening felt last um, couple of years has sort of made that sort of holding position his own. If you have 
it, those two, I think you, you do have to have a bit of pace with the third player, be that be a Hatati or, or someone else. But I, I think, and, and as much as I'm, you know, I'm a David, very much part of the David Turnbull fan club, as you know, but I felt that that combination combined with, and not that they, they can necessarily help that, but combined with the ineffectiveness of Maeda on the left and uh, Abad on the right, it seemed like so many players in the one game seemed to pick the, today, the yesterday to have their worst performance. It just, putting all that together, it just made for a, a, a terrible sort of overall performance. I, I totally agree in that sense. I think that was one of the big problems that with like that midfield three started against Ross County and nobody was complaining about the pace of the game then. They were playing, with, but then the wide players were in the game then. So I think, like you say, when the wide players aren't getting into the game, it then makes it harder for the midfield. Um, obviously, St Mirren playing the back five, there wasn't a lot of space for the mid, the, the front three. There wasn't a lot of space in the back and behind for Kyogo. He wasn't making the runs or wasn't getting picked up in the runs and stuff. So... Um, I'm not going to sit here and defend anybody's performance, but equally, I do understand the argument for too many changes. Also, understand the argument saying, well, there was nine changes against Ross County, and yeah. look what we've done. It's one of them. It's you're maybe talking in the, with the benefit of hindsight with both games, but it's just for me, it was just nobody, nobody to a man really turned up yesterday. I think when the, the wide men were struggling to get in the game, it doesn't help the midfield players. Yeah. But do you not I, think, I, do you not think, sorry, Anthony, but do you not think, Franny, that the wide men need to take, like, if, if you're struggling, like, if I'm a wide player, like, by all means, I'm not a wide man. You like, need so. to take a bit of responsibility. I agree with that. Yeah, but you need to take your man on. You cannot always cut back. And then, do you know what I mean? There has to be, I don't know you have to. It could be a deliberate tactic with a trying to draw, draw them out and create space out behind. I don't know. It could just be a confidence thing. Like, Abada is, all, is still 20. Maybe his wingers are a confidence player. If he's not really getting by his man, he's maybe trying to then draw him out to get space in behind to then get a wee bit of confidence. I don't know. Again, with Maeda, he, he isn't on a... He's not maybe on the best of form now. But uh, Maeda, since January is only second to Yota in our goals contribution. So I don't... It, yeah, he's not great in the last few weeks, but I don't understand this. He's, he's turned into a bit of a whipping boy. Taylor was a whipping boy, and it seems to be moving to Maeda than a, the whole whipping boy thing, mm. which I didn't get. That left-hand side's cursed. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I, I think I jinxed Taylor because I called him... I called him Buddy Prime Maldini on Friday, and look what happened. That <laughs> That's right, I remember that. <laughs> I have to say, one of the, and you have to absolutely take in, um, you have to take into account as well um, what Ross and Molly were, were arguing and in and, and, and interest of fairness, I, I think they, they argued their points well in the group chat as well and you, you do have to concede that, you know, I'm, I, I've definitely came in at it. And it's just a natural thing. I'm I'm not about even in cup games where I you know we made nine changes that night. Even then, although we came away with the win, it's just in my psyche that I I don't like it when I see too many changes on a on the board. And I know that the football's changed for when you know we were younger and you know sports science and all that. I know rotation is key, but I have to say when I did see the team yesterday, I thought ah oh, maybe one or two too many. But you hoped. 
that we'd start, provided we came flying out the traps, that you know normal service would would prevail. But you know it wasn't to be the case yesterday. But on the other hand, as Ross and William um, were alluding, it might well be the case that had we played pretty much the same team from Wednesday night and we had a similar result, maybe would have been all, it would all have been changed the other way and saying you got to change it up after a European defeat. You know, it's just it's, it's the fickle nature of being a, a football supporter. Um, it's just the it's just the way we're well, it's just our mate and our makeup, but um, I'll just that that's the sort of in terms of the formation, the setup, um, and the players chosen, etc. Stephen, but of course you don't lose two 0 to St Mirren without there being some individual errors within within the match. Um, a lot has been said, like you said about um, Joe Hart. Joe Hart's been getting a lot of stick for both goals actually. I think, and I can understand to an extent the first one. I think. For me personally, I think the, the header is so fast that even though it is straight at him, unless it hits an actual part of his body, I can understand how it's went through him, trying to be maybe a bit charitable here. But very much, I think the second goal, I think he's absolutely to blame for it. When the ball is in the air, um, before it takes him out, he should be out there taking everyone out of the equation because he knows regardless, if he doesn't get it, he's going to get a free kick anyway because goalkeepers are very much a protected species. So I definitely do blame Joe Hart for the, for the second goal, and um, of course um, our um, our favourite our favourite uh, new player Aaron Moy, um, who I thought to be fair at the start of the match, um, although you could argue we weren't starting in our usual hundred mile an hour self, I thought he was recycling the ball okay, he was making tidy passes etc. But there's no doubt you got to pick up your man um, from that far back. I mean, that I can't remember the, the St Mirren player's name that scored that's escaped me for a moment. But it, yeah, that's it. He had a full run at that. And yes, we can say Ralston and, you know, Welsh positioning. But, you know, it's an easy overlap there just with the fact that Moy didn't pick up his defender. And considering his position on the park, that's his, uh, you know, that should be his bread and butter. So, yes, collectively we were poor. Yes, St Myrne deserved their victory and I don't think there's any Celtic fan um, you know, with two brain cells to rub together that would argue against that. But you, you, those individual mistakes absolutely proved costly yesterday. I mean, yeah, before I get into that, I want to bring up some of the comments, obviously, and straight of the doctor yeah, sure. was offside for, for the second goal. Um, uh, no worries, boys. Michelle and Mike, it was just a wee blip or big on somebody on the scenes. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, <laughs> of, a lot of crack. Another cracking comments coming in, but you made a point there. Like, I'll start with Moy, right? Moy, like, he's so, like, I don't know what it is about him, but seeing him watch him run, it's like Robocap and he doesn't turn <laughs> well. And yes, people say he's fantastic on the ball. And see, starting the game, your, your game's getting slower. I don't care what anyone says. He's picking the simple pass all the time, sideways or back. The amount of times where he turned that point. Absolutely. Yeah, that, of, without a doubt, you're starting the game slower with Moy, starting the match. Yeah. At, Completely agree with that. When, the amount of time he picked his head up and looked and then he turned back on himself. Instead of taking that risk like Postacogli wants to do and make that final, like the, whatever, a pass up to the top to win the second ball, anything. It was always safe sideways and he doesn't get me excited. And for me, he's better useful coming off the bench when you're winning 5-0 and you're seeing the game out. And he he can be a use that way. But see, when he starts the game, excuse the pun, but he's useless in my opinion. He's he's shocking. I think that people always say that Cal McGregor he, he's better up the pitch, up one in the ten or an eight. Mm -hmm. McGregor for me is the best and num number six, deep land midfielder. 
the way he controls the game, he can spread a pass, he can bring others into play. For me personally, now you lose a bit of him when he goes forward. Yes, you may get I'd, away with that. Part. that well. you, you might actually get away with it when you're a parkhead and you're winning 6-0 and he moves up one and Moy comes on. That's that's fair enough. But when you're starting the game, you need your captain and your leader being the focal point of your team. Moy, to me, he's slow, he's pedestrian. He doesn't look fit enough to be in that kind of system where you're pressing. Mark O'Hara glided past him for that goal. There, there was gaps, big gaps between where Moy should have been and O'Hara coming into the back post. Ralston was left with two players, and there's no way that Postacoglu left him with two players. They would have had a game plan to mark whoever's running the, the boxes like a, a midfield runner. That was Moy's man. Moy fucked up, let's be honest. Left him, Ralston was outdone, and he scored a header. The For me, Joe Hart, when you go back to the Schachter game, I don't understand why he ducked. I, re- I don't get that. That, to me, wasn't a natural reaction. He just kind of guessed and he moved his head down and put his arm up like this. That, that wasn't good goalkeeping. I 100% agree with what you're saying in terms of the second goal. That ball stayed in our six-yard line for about two to three seconds. And I know it doesn't sound like lots, but in a, in a, in a football match in that environment, that's lots of time for yeah. a goalkeeper to come out and clatter whoever's in front of him. Welsh, again, got out done at the back, the one to flick on, and Ayunga, who was an absolute monster, monster who tortured our defence, just put it away with ease. And I think, for me, Joe Hart should have got it. It's, he wasn't strong enough with his wrist in terms of when he was diving. And I, I mean, Welsh again, to go back to it, he wasn't great at all. And the whole Celtic class thing, whether or not we like it or not, he's not it, if we're honest. And I know he's there probably for the more the homegrown factor, and that's fair enough. But by freak of nature, again, we've lost our two first choice centre halves in Starfelt and Carter Vickers. And the big, the big, big major issue with me, you can see how much Vickers is vital to that team when he's not in it because oh, we do not look, we don't look the same in, in terms of that. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, there's, we always say, you know, there's no automatic picks in Angie's team or, or, or whatever, but I think, um, regardless, you know, Carter Vickers has to be for me. He is. Head and shoulders above even even Jens at this point for me. I think don't get me wrong, Jens has started well. He's obviously you know contributed a few goals and uh, the proceedings mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, yesterday and hopefully he, he seems to be the type of player that we've seen so far that will learn from this yesterday. I, I but he did get a lesson I, yesterday for me. I um, don't know if you noticed it. Um, Anthony, seeing the corner kicks are a long throw. Curtis Mayan had him pinned all the time with his with his arm, yeah. and there was no kind of. There was no effort from Jens to get in front of his man. And Curtis Mayne was torturing him all game, all, all game, kind of winning the flick balls and being kind of that bustling centre forward that we don't seem to cope with well. I thought that yeah. was was eradicated every game, but obviously it's not. And that was a concern for me that there was no kind of, what would you call, attitude or more, trying to get in front of him, bully him a bit. It seemed like to me Curtis Mayne had, had his card marked early on in that game and he couldn't recover from it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And but what I, I noticed that yesterday myself, and what puzzled me most about it was two weeks ago when Morelos came on um, for Rangers and mm. the, the Derby defeat. The first thing Morelos did was go straight up to Jens, and you know he was trying to leave a, you know, put his sort of fingers up at his cheek and stuff like that just to sort of wind them up. And Jens's reaction was just, away you go, pal. Yeah. Like, like you're, you're not even, a, and without. Sound that you know Morelos is a better player than Curtis Main, so it was. I was quite shocked yesterday the difference yeah. in how Jens didn't react um, and was that did allow Main and a young guy to you know sort of to win those battles, so to speak. 
Um, Franco, come to yourself regarding the, the errors, just in, you know, for, for your own thoughts on them, or if you if there's any other ones that sort of sort of stick out for you, and just getting your thoughts as well on um, what Stephen was saying about Callum McGregor, because I think we're all we've all sort of said um, recently, and you know I've, I've said it myself that traditionally you always think of Callum Mac going, you know, bursting forward and you know you know getting the goals and getting in amongst the goals and whatnot, but. I think yesterday, I, I agree with Stephen, you did sort of see that perhaps now the six may well be uh, Callum's best position where he is, sort of dictating the pace of the game, where he's able to sort of communicate more with his back four and allowing the the sort of, you know, your Hattatis and your O'Reillys to get forward more and obviously the boys on, on either wing uh, to use their pace. Um, I, I did feel that we lost a wee bit of uh, Callum yesterday in that role. What were your thoughts? Uh, I think so. It's, I mean, it's one of the ones that's it's maybe just highlighting the fickleness of the football fan again because for weeks we were not saying ranting and raving about Moy, but we weren't really criticising him, so to speak. All then he starts yesterday and and has one has a bad game, and that's it. He's not he's not good enough. Um, Welsh again, I think that was the poorest I've seen him. I do agree. The second goal. He's got to do better. Joe Hart could help him out with coming out and claiming it. I think Joe Hart should try to command his area a wee bit better there. I'll, I'll say that much. And Stephen Welsh is... It's one of the ones... It, it could have been gave as a felt. I'd have been raging if up the other end of it gave, gave a felt against us. But there is a way... A younger just kind of puts his hand on him and I wouldn't say shrugs him away, but just creates, it creates a bit of space for him. Creates a bit of space for himself, but I think Welsh needs to be stronger there. 100% needs to be stronger. Ayunga's just really getting a bit of room for himself. I agree that I think Moy, with the replays I've seen anyway, Moy, I've been around only seen the replays the, the, during the game because I went and I huff and cut the grass straight after the football, so I've never seen any after the final whistle. <laughs> and uh, for me, I thought Moy lost his man on the first goal as well, but obviously Ross, and I, I don't know, maybe Moy said the they feel the man came in for the wide, so without really, I'm, I'm kind of just speaking of memory now, but I, I felt like Moy let his man go there as, as well, but uh, the centre half, uh, I, I want to be careful in the sense that that's the first time I think, somebody might correct me, that's the first time that partnership played together and they played against two old school strikers that just are up new, just probably thought, right, came up, we'll get in the face, we'll impose ourselves, and see how they like it. And like you say, they didn't seem to enjoy it. And they never... It would have been good for Celtic, for Welsh, and um, Jens to maybe try and impose themselves back on the strikers. But I just think they they allowed themselves to... I wouldn't say get involved in sort of a needless battles on the part, but it was, it was almost like the first few they were, they were beat after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I, I just thought the centre halves were they, they got bullied that we didn't pose themselves, and it was it goes back to just how individually everybody wasn't great, and as a collective, it just was a disaster. For, well, disaster might be the wrong word. It was just uh, it was a really, really bad day and Sunday for as a team performance. Anthony, if you, if you don't mind, before before you continue, strangely enough, the doctor 
comes in here. Other than being pitched in the physical, yesterday it was a failure to stick to the principles of Anne's ball. Mm-hmm. Two touch pass and moving into space. Always make yourself available for the player on the ball. 100%. That is a perfect way to set up because mm-hmm. everything was against what Anne's wants as a club and the way we play. It was so safe. It was so pedestrian. It was lacklustre. It was like the team turned up being a bit arrogant, thinking it's a job where you're turning up, you're going to win. And me and my granddad were speaking to each other yesterday about it as well. And we do disagree on a lot of things, but one thing we agreed on, like they turned up there to Paisley and thought it was just the, the, the fact of putting your boots on and you go out and win that game. And you cannot do that at any level of football team you're at because Celtic Football Club, as Anne's always says, we never stop. But that game there, we, we, let, we hit the, the emergency break because we were absolutely shite, if I'm honest. Yeah. Maybe in a case that we didn't really start yesterday rather than uh, than not stopping, but yeah, I agree. I think um, <laughs> it was just um, it was just a, a whole a whole recipe of bad uh, bad decision making, poor performances overall, and uh, it just kind of culminated in a, a drop me uh, three points, which we could have been doing without. But um, one of the things, I mean, and before I before I bring this up, and um, before I get howls of of derision. I'm not in any way suggesting that this affected the result of the game, right? <laughs> but I have to just, it, it, it reeked of amateur hour for me um, in terms of, you know, the wider sort of how we present our, our, our product, if, if that's the, the right way to call it, um, to broadcasters. Because on what parallel universe do you send out our lot, uh, us boys, in our grey with black shorts third kit against St Mirren, who play with very distinct black and white stripes with black shorts. It was, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but there was quite a lot of times in the game I was struggling to make out when, you know, if the ball was, you know, a diagonal pass going from one end of the pitch to the other. I was trying to work out who, who was actually a St Mirren player and who was a Celtic player. Now, I get that this is a a thing where, you know, St Mirren playing black and white, I don't know what their away kit is this year. And I, I, yeah, I get that, you know, that at home you should always wear your home top. But, you know, there's been times at Celtic Park where we've, um, especially against Hibs, where I can remember us wearing a change strip for the for the sheer basis, surely common sense. I mean, it was not a, it didn't make for a good sort of viewing entertainment rather than, than anything else. Um and I, I don't understand. I think if you were going to go with anything, the, the hoops was sure, surely a better bet than, than the two away kits in term, if, if, if St Mirren were insisting on wearing their home top. Um, thoughts on that, uh, Stephen? Uh, that's all the ones, isn't it? It's whatever. <laughs> horses were courses, that I was saying. I mean, the whole thing about the kits is fair enough, but if you fast, rewind back in your life, you're playing with your mates in the street, there's a couple of guys wearing red tops, a couple of guys wearing black tops, and you can still make out who who the hell you're passing mm-hmm. to. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it for the yeah, simple fact. That's the reason that there is no, 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 oh, no, hundred percent. But I, I'm saying I get it from a whole professional look and that type of thing. The sky cameras are there, and you're looking at it being like, what is going on? There has been a few incidents, as you said, Anthony, but Hibs themselves have had the change kits and face for face versa them. So in terms of that, it was a bit strange. But I think the thing is, well, he does. You have to wear these kits that they produce at some point. And the thought Celtic picked the the worst day to do it, unfortunately, and we wore that grey kit, even though I think it's quite nice and quite smart looking. Yeah. Uh, maybe will not work. Maybe we won't see it ever again. But <laughs> I get I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. The third kits do tend to just get short, like worn once. So yeah, I think like you say, that's it probably. 
uh, done and dusted. But Franco, does this once and for all um, you know, prove that our, at least one of our away tops should always be sort of yellow or golden? Um, because, you know, it, apart from maybe Hibs, it's not really going to clash with anything and uh, we won't have this kind of situation again. Uh, it's, it was a weird one. Like, how's the referee looked at that? Thought, anyway, that 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 doesn't look like a class because obviously, like we say, we're not using it as a reason or excuse why we lost the game because the, the strip class was the same for Saint Marin as well. So, but I don't know. Like, what I found strange because I can remember, like, I'm sure it's, it might just be an English and youth thing, but I noticed Will uh, Will was had. Both had black shorts on. I thought you couldn't wear even the same coloured shorts. That might have made it not class much if we had more like maybe white shorts or something for the home kit. Something, yeah. but it was, it was a weird one how the referees looked down and thought, aye, this, is, this has got to be right. And it's just like you say, I think a spectacle where we're constantly trying to get more money for Sky and stuff like that. It's just we silly touches like that can maybe folk can look and go on. Well, that's the thing. I, mean, I remember that, that this caused a big stir way back. And I remember it being um, the 2001 Scottish Cup final when we played Hibs. Uh, and um, Kenny Clark was the referee that day. And he claimed there was a big hoo ha about the fact that both teams were wearing their away tops. Celtic had a, a sort of that was the year that they had the gold kit with the really dark, muddy green shorts. And Hibs had a sort of sort of white kit with, with sort of a green trim around here with green shorts. And there was, but both the teams were kind of pretty annoyed that they were having to both wear their away tops for the for the final. And Ken Clark sort of, you know, he kind of backed up his decision with saying it was to benefit the, the linesman because Hibs at that, that year, um, the, the green didn't go right the way around. It had a it had a white and then a green bit down the the, the side oh, uh, at the panel underneath. And then uh, get this up And uh, if you remember, we had changed our kits three quarters of the way through that season into the hoops with the infamous white panel down the side as well. So that steam, unless the rules have changed, that's been something that the referees can decide. And you're buying on Franco. Even a change of shot. I mean, I'm sure. John Clark and uh, the rest of the Celtic kit team, you know, we've got a pair of white shorts in there somewhere, or you know, just something to just make it that little bit um, more clearer for the viewers. As I say, probably on the pitch, I agree, Stephen. It probably maybe wasn't that much of a factor, but definitely for the, for the viewer at home, on the back, on on, on top of what was a, a turgid performance, it just kind of it was the icing on the on the cake. <laughs> but um, so yes, that is the that is the end of Stripgate, as it were. Um, we'll just get, we'll, uh, we'll move on, uh, Franco, and we'll talk about sort of Ange, Angie's sort of comments after the game. And um, I personally thought it was a it was a very good um, interview he gave post match. He he protected the players that he brought in, whilst accepting that maybe he had got the team selection wrong, or maybe you know he, he took a he, he took a lot of the deflected blame on himself. Which you know, if you're a player who's trying to impress to get in the team, you know that'll show you that maybe privately, I don't know what he did privately in the dressing room, but in public, he's certainly not going to hang anyone out to dry. And of course, um, obviously there was obviously the incident as well um, pre-match. I thought obviously there was a, a leading question uh, from the media there, and um, you know he, he shut it down. He says, "I've answered this question on Friday. I've got nothing more to say." I think as as post-match pressers go after a defeat. 
you couldn't really ask for any more. Um, what were your thoughts? It was just hands being hands, wasn't it? It just it always nails it. He's never, never really lets gives gives them a headline to to run with and stuff. And I think we all that's what you all want as a manager, especially like not calling your players out publicly. I mean, without being private, what's happening in the changing room? I, I dare say we'd have had a few choice words for some of the players uh, after Sunday. But yeah, like you say, keep the guys on seconds. Let's not talk about how fast Ange plays. You need the guys to be really, really fast. So you can't be calling guys out. You need guys to go to the wall for you. So if you're going to call guys out publicly, they're probably not going to do that. So I think, yeah, he's sticking up for the player. Well, say sticking up for the UK, shouldering the blame, so to speak, and deflecting the blame away for the players will probably help. They're maybe sitting, seeing that in the change rooms or seeing the, the news later on when they're sitting in the house going, well, Kenny's game is sticking stuck in the dressing room, but at least publicly he's he's sticking up for us. So I let's let's make sure this doesn't happen again and stuff. So I think it's it just showed the the intelligence it and the the type of man manager is and the type of, the type of man that he keeps in as it was. I think it was smart comments from. Uh, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And what about yourself, Stephen? Did, um, did did Angie's post match presser? Maybe not make necessarily make you feel any better about the result, but did it kinda can I give you confidence that we're gonna, you know, address this ASAP, get it out of our system and get ready um for going again after the break? Well, I think like we all know the media, especially in Scotland, they're gonna try and trip them up any way whatsoever they can. And whether that's against the fans, doing what whatever's happened in the previous couple of games, he's always made it clear he's not there to control the fans. He's always said that they he can't control that, but he can control Celtic Football Club and what they do. And that's the perfect answer because if you get involved in the back and forth, that doesn't end well. Um in terms of in terms of the game, the the way he reacted to it, one thing I'm certainly sure of, he's had words because when I seen him dressed down that interpreter after the Shakhtar game, I was like, I don't wanna I wouldn't like to get on the, the, the sharp end of him. Do you know what I mean? So he's definitely had words to the team and He's come out and fair play to me. He shouldered the responsibility. He's recognised that the team didn't work, the combinations didn't work in whatever area of the pitch he was observing. I'm sure it was all. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a thing where we'll have to be concerned about. The only thing I, the issue I have is we have to guard against complacency. With the guard against players getting above their station, thinking they have to turn up the games, and that's it. One. You still need the players on, on, on the pitch giving the 100%, no matter who it is, an, an academy graduate or an international footballer. They all have to be on the same page. And hopefully he knocks any arrogance out of the, out of the group because it did for for me personally. I've seen a bit of that against St. Myrna Fault. We were just, as, as I said, we, it was a case of they put their boots on and they win that game with their, their nice failed up hair. I mean, the amount of times Turnbull does this and sets his hair back before he takes a free kick and just gets on my tits. Just hit the free kick, man. I mean, there, there, there's no need to do it. But 100%. He's going to have the team in check and we'll come back from the international break against Motherwell. I guess on the 1st of October and hopefully because we'll be going into an RB Leipzig game away in Germany and that won't be hard. That, that won't be easy. That won't be hard. There's the arrogance kicking in but you know what I mean? We need, we need to be on the same page and go forward. Hopefully Anne's post the like he's always done does that. Yeah. I, I, like, I don't think players are getting overconfident now. He's looking at your comment after the Rangers game. Now he's one of the, the stars of the team, and he's saying, "Look, the league's the one. We've got a long way to go." I think the players know they don't need to turn up, and they need to do more than turn up. I just think it's 
think it was a really, really poor performance. Like we, you can't sugarcoat it any other way. It was a, a bad performance, but I think I, I, I say it's not if this type of performance was happening regularly, I would be a bit concerned about when was the last time we turned in a performance like that. And that's what I was looking at. If coming back after the break, if we turn in performances like that, then you'll be, I'll maybe start asking more questions. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I think, um, but you, you know, if I think the, the thing is, even you know, when you look at some of the, the great teams around the world, I'm sure even Pep's Barcelona team dropped points at some point in their in their mm-hmm. sort of history making campaigns. Even the Lions themselves didn't go the full season unbeaten. I suppose that's maybe one thing we don't have to ask that question anymore <laughs> between now and the end of the season. That that that's that's been and it's. Well, gone. to be fair, Anthony. Ross asked the question on the agreed disagree, and I said I uh, wouldn't go on and think so. I'll take that one. Next no, week, I, for <laughs> I think that's why that they're, they're so, these things are, are such a, a rare um, occasion, aren't they? And um, you know, I think um, we're definitely in a good position to still have uh, to make this a sort of season to remember. I would say, and uh, but but yeah, I, I totally agree, guys. I think he, he sort of made the, the sort of main points, and and like you say as well, with regards to these. Um, with regards to making sure that the media didn't get any any more fuel to the fire, um, I, I thought he was absolutely bang on. Because I don't know about you guys, um, but I've, I'm, you know, regardless of whether you you know condone or condemn the actions of, of the fans yesterday and, and and on Wednesday night as well. Obviously, Wally, you guys were, were speaking about it on on Wednesday on Friday night after the, the Shakhtar game. But and you know, it, it is what it is, and um, we're not here to sort of take an opinion on that sort of either which way but I can guarantee one thing I don't know about you I'm, I'm sick to the back teeth uh, some of the people that have suddenly found um, two, two balls underneath and um, you know decided to start attacking us as if you know we're the sort of the evils of all things uh, in this well, country uh, you know what I mean see? and um, it sickens, sickens me uh, mate to, to hear some of the crap that we've had to put up with this week and um you know, when you hear people like, you know, Piers Morgan, you know, R- Rupert Murdoch's puppet, Jeremy Kyle, you know, some vile wee narcissist that plays on some of the most vulnerable people um, in this country. And, you know, I'm trying to think who, who else, Piers Morgan, Jeremy Kyle, who was the other one uh, coming away? Uh, there, was a, there, there was a fellow on that talk uh, radio and the one of them other things as well. The thing that I look at it as well, and it's quite clear for everyone to see, you take snapshots of everyone who's had pop shots at Celtic this week and mm-hmm. look at the company they keep in their exactly. private life. That, that yeah, there's there's the main one there, Stephen. N- N- Nigel Farage, king of the gammons. Do you know what I mean? These are the <laughs> these are the people that are supposedly the, the defenders of everything great um, about this country. As I say, I, I, the, the day that I take, or anyone um, at Celtic, take any lessons in morality uh, for these ghouls, these vampires, um you know, it'll be a very long day indeed. And, um, you know, we're not necessarily saying that um, we condone uh, the actions yesterday, but these people all claim that they love freedom of speech. They only seem to accept it when it's their opinions that we're agreeing with. Um, and um, all I'll ever say, um, as they said there, we're the good guys. And if anyone's going to say about that, they can go form an orderly queue. But um, <laughs> apart for that, let's get back to the football. Uh, like I said, we kind of touched on it before, uh, Franco, but like we say, we've had a bad defeat, but um, I think once internationals are over, it'll be a case of resetting and going again. 
I think that's what it is. You've just got to reset and go again. And I don't, there'll be obviously players that you maybe get a few days off with being uh, the extended international break and stuff. The guys are not going to really make get a few days off, but you should know as soon as they're back in training, and like that's where Hans does his, his good work, most of his best work is on the training ground. He'll be drilling everything into them. So I have no. As disappointed as I was with yesterday, I think the perform you can get beat. Things you can get beat, and it's the manner you get beat. I think what's happening yeah. a lot more for me it's the manner in what we got beat. But equally, I've got to balance out by saying we're not turning in the performances and knocking a result. We're actually turning in dominant performances and winning games. Yesterday we just done none of that. Like like Stephen touching it, it just wasn't what Ange wants about. For how he wants his players, it was it was more than manner the defeat. I think that annoyed me. So yeah, it's it's as as a good thing or a bad. Maybe as a for a fan, it's a bad thing of the, the international because you just want to go back and then probably for the players as well, just want to get, get straight back in. But I think Ange Ange will love it in the fact that he's got time time to now work on the players and that's where he works his magic and things like that. So I. Like I said, to come back in the next two, three games, return and performance like that, I'd be a wee bit concerned. But I just, on the evidence of what I've seen sort of in the last six to eight months, anyway, I don't see where that type of that running performance has come to. I'm, I'm the exact same. Uh, exact same. Uh, Stephen, what's your, your own thoughts on it? Do you think just, just a blip, once we get back for the break, um, we'll be good to go again and bring on Motherwell? Well, that's what I hope. I mean, that's what you're absolutely hoping as a Celtic fan. It doesn't turn into a, a couple of games where you're dropping a few points here and there and you kind of get into a run of a, a kind of performance. But I don't think that's going to happen, which brings me back to the whole thing. That's what confused me about making all these changes because these players are away and it's not up to, the, up to us to keep them fit or keep them full of energy for their national teams. They have to be playing for us fit and fair and never mind what they're going for whatever, a meaningless friendly halfway across the world. It shouldn't really come into the mindset when you're making changes for the team. And I know Anz, like he'll be on the training pitch. The likes of Jada will be still there. Abelgaard, Haxabanovic, who's still getting fully up to speed. And Matt O'Reilly, I don't know if he's away with Denmark, but all these guys, Carl Starfelt, will be coming back from injury. So get them back on the training pitch and get them going again, get them motivated. And I think against Motherwell, uh, they got beat was it yesterday by Hearts, wasn't it? Yeah. one I think, I think it was something like that. So that they're going for for a bad patch themselves. I mean, so if we can recover, players come back fully fit from international duty. Play our best team available. I know we've got a squad. We always bang on about the squad, but I want to win games. Play the best players we have, and then hopefully that takes care of itself. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Obviously, um, October first still quite a while away, but I'm definitely sure. Provided you know, fingers crossed, we all come back with a clean bill of health for the international break. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I would. Hope for as strong a side as possible um, at home uh, against against the Steelmen. But uh, which leads us on nicely, guys. We won't dwell too long on it, but just obviously, big international week coming up. Stephen, every day that there is a club fixture on, we are united in uh, what teams we support. But come Saturday, we're going to be rivals again as uh, the Blue of Scotland and the Green of Ireland go head to head at Hamden. You boys turned us over in the summer. Do you see a repeat happening again? Can I just be honest? I couldn't couldn't give a shit. Because <laughs> I, I I think I think Ireland are abysmal. That they're I don't think they're actually exciting. Scotland obviously we've done the the specials on them 
when they're in the, the Euros and stuff. That was fantastic. A great, great thing to be involved in. But the game itself, I'm not, I'm not probably going to watch it, with, to be honest with you guys. It's not something I'm fully fully invested in. I know Ireland, they've had a kind of upturn in form with Stephen Kenny. He's bringing a few younger guys in from the likes of Southampton. Obafami, I think he's called the young striker. They still got the likes of Hendricks and all playing in midfield. Shane Duffy, experienced centre back, obviously, but for sales. Seamus Coleman, players like that. But I, I think Scotland, they should have enough the edges for me. Ireland and the other team, the north of Ireland, even though it should be a one type thing for me, that's just baffles. But they're both abysmal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. International football is like a hindrance to my season. Unless it's a World Cup or, or a Euros, I don't want to know about it. I don't care about it. I want to see Celtic play. If Scotland win, fair enough. If Ireland win, Fair enough. That's that fifty-fifty for me, Anthony. I'm just being brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, to be fair, um, I'm, I'm talking obviously the game on Saturday. We uh, obviously have a, a big game on Wednesday as well, uh, Franco. The first game against Ukraine at Hamden, and then obviously next week we play them uh, again. It's all very tight in the, the Nations League, but um, yeah. Do, do you have? Um, is your appetite any more whetted than Stevens for a week of international action, or do you just wish we were back to league action on Saturday? Uh, you've probably got the wrong guys on the first talk of international football. Well, then, obviously, you're, you're international guys. I'll admitted I jumped on the bandwagon with Scotland and yours. I'm down in Devon, so we've got to try and catch the game, but it's got to be obviously in a perfectly legit streaming service. I'll be using on Wednesday to try and catch it. <laughs> so, it will depend obviously on, on certain Wi Fi's and stuff if I see the game. Saturday, I'll get to see that game, but. Obviously, I like seeing Scotland winning, but it's one of them. I've at least it doesn't really get me down as much as it probably should if we don't get a positive result. But I'm I'm an absolute glory hunter when it comes to the international football. Anthony. I'm I hope I did that plenty of times. If Scotland get to the Euros, I'll pretend I paid attention all the way through the campaign. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not, but I obviously I, I want Scotland to win, but it's um. I'm kind of with Stephen in the sense I just it's, it gets in the way for me at times in international football. I know I know you said there that uh, there's games during the week, but the only date I can have in my head is the first of October. The when Celtics back and that's <laughs> gonna drag in. And that, that's gonna be the worst couple of weeks of my life. But I won't be what we said around me. No, well, do you know it's funny? I, mean, I have to say, I'm probably I know Ross and Wally are no, that, that noise you hear is Wally screaming for fault house about how we uh, <laughs> We're not giving international respect, football the respect it deserves. I would probably say I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. My my affection has sort of resumed uh, the last few years. It, 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 when Alex McLeish was manager, I just uh, point blank refused to watch it. I thought we're just we're just rewarding uh, just rewarding cheats now. But um, I have to say, since Steve Clark got the job and they seem to have kind of sorted themselves out a bit, just just sort of made we went back to basics, but we put the right guy. I think um, in terms of what Scotland could attract. I think we've got the right guy in the dugout and, you know, we've started putting the square peg in the square peg uh, section uh, for the last wee while. I don't know, obviously the, the downturn and not, we're bitterly disappointed to miss out uh, on the World Cup. But, you know, um, and I think were we not to qualify for the Euros, there would probably be a, a change again. But until then, I'm happy to stay on the, the Steve Clark Express and, um, I'm actually going along on Wednesday night, so I'm uh, <laughs> quite looking forward to it. It's, if nothing else, honestly, 
Is, yeah. is this for is this a qualifying game? What what, what is it? Na- is Na- it Nations League. Like, so it's the it's, a, it's the sort of little mini tournament before the, the the main qualifiers start. So whoever wins this, uh, whoever tops this group after we've, we've all played each other twice, gets the sort of safety net um, sort of playoffs phase. So that even if, if they don't finish first in their um, in the the main qualifying group, they still got an extra chance uh, to qualify. That's how Scotland qualified for the Euros. A um, couple of years ago, Stephen, because we, we I think we finished third in our main qualifier group, but because we'd won our Nations League group, we were still flung yeah. into the playoffs. We, managed, we thankfully managed to get past Israel and uh, Serbia. So I think it just it's a this sort of determines where we are in the, the sort of coefficient. So um, yeah, it's quite tight at the moment, but uh, yeah, three games in a week, so plenty of international action for those who are. For those who are bothered, really. Um, don't get me wrong. And, don't, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. I think, like, if, as, as Franny said, like, if Scotland get into another tournament, we'll be we'll be covering it hundred percent. But my personal opinion, I've never been a big lover of international football. Whether that be Ireland or yes, I would go to the pub yeah, sometimes yeah. and watch a few games, but it's more to get pissed and have a bit of crack. So <laughs> that's about it. Like, but I remember speaking to one of my friends and. In, in, the, in the Grange, Franco, one of our favourite watering yeah. holes, uh, and it was a day of a Scotland match, and you know he was sort of he was just out for a drink. He wasn't too overly bothered about the game, and I always remember him uh, saying that watching international football, um, it was a bit like watching wanting his favourite NFL team to win. You know, he's just you know he liked a certain team, but if they don't win, it's sadly going to be a downer on his weekend. So it's uh, you know it's it certainly generates a lot of debate um, the international scene, especially with historically what went on in the disgusting treatment of Celtic players um, up until, you know, relatively recently, it could be argued. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, you can't not want to see the likes of KT and uh, Cal McGregor, exactly. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed for some good results, that's all we say. But um, I do agree with you, I'm looking forward to October 1st when the, the main stuff resumes. But um, just to kind of round off, guys, um, after the internationals, we do also have some extra shows coming up on the channel this week. Um, I'll First of all, Thursday night, Stephen, it's going to be the first of your uh, sort of chats with Tony McLaughlin from Celtic by Numbers. Stats drop, uh, as you're going yeah, to, is it the title for it? You guys are going to be getting very analytical yeah. and talking all about the XG of Georges Yakimakis, etc. So... Wanted to, want to tune in for, for all you data lovers out there. I'm quite looking forward to it myself, to be honest. And uh, Friday we'll have the normal the normal show um, where we'll probably debating all things Scotland-Ukraine. Uh, and, uh, of course, on Sunday we're doing another Champions League Rewind. Uh, we started this um, a few weeks ago. with uh, We'll try to look back on all our previous Champions League campaigns throughout the season. And uh, we've just been struggling to get a time when we're all available at the weekend to do a spin-off show. But Hopefully we're going to get a couple of guys in on Sunday and we're going to look back on season 2003-04, um, which was our second venture into the Champions League group stages. Uh, proved to be Henrik's final season at the club. So we'll kind of go over all that. And um, of course, we had a, one of our famous victories over Barcelona in the UEFA Cup um, once we went out. So I'm sure we'll probably go over that as well. But uh, in terms of the show, boys, that's kind of us for tonight. Uh, have you enjoyed it, despite um, many of the subject matters? Yeah. I mean, again, you have to cover it, whether we'll win, lose or draw. And that's what we always say. And it's it's good that you actually sent a few frustrations that you couldn't do previously because we were doing so well. And 
you can notice it, but it's like, well, I'll bring it up because we're, we're winning like 5 6 nil. But now you can call out the likes of Moy and Turnbull and that. So I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> I like doing that sometimes. Like, so, I mean, Monty well, it's, just, it's the song goes we don't care if we win, lose, or draw. We only exactly. know there's going to be a show, an endless self show, you know, and uh, it yeah. doesn't matter whether the result, those boys will be here to dissect it and, um, and go over all the talking points. Uh, over yourself, Franco. You enjoy yourself tonight, even uh, even though the Wi-Fi is a bit dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a week, good to be back in therapy. Good to be back in therapy. And been, I think we're in it. Been down in England. It's a nice place, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm sure there's a... Uh... It's just one of these things, you know. It, it doesn't happen too often, as I say. Like, like this time a year ago was our last domestic uh, league uh-huh. defeat. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, be too disappointed if it's another year before we're having to have another uh, sort of show with subjects like this. But what can you do? But uh, no, that's us, boys, for tonight. Uh, thanks again to Stephen and Francis. And thanks to all of you guys for watching along and tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed the show, uh, despite the result. And we, Stephen, will see you again on Thursday and we'll be back with the regular show on Friday night. So that's it from me and I'll hand you over to do the farewell. Yeah, so as Anthony said, on Thursday is the first show of our stats drop. Me and Tony McLaughlin from Celtic Trends will be looking back at, at the games against St Mirren and Shakhtar. Just getting a wee bit of depth about player performance, expected goals. It's something I'm interested in learning about the more analytical side of things. So I just want to watch it. If it's your cup of tea, Put your learning cap on because I'll be doing it too. Like, so it'd be good crack and get involved in the comments. And I'll put, put any questions you have to Tony as well from, from Sadly Trends. I'd be glad to answer them. But in terms of that, we're back on Friday, as Anthony said, and then the Champions League rewind this Sunday. And until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>